Hi guys, and welcome to Crime Time. Today, we are going to dive into the bizarre and crazy case of Kaylee Anthony. This case is one I have been interested in for a long time, and I'm going to try to explain it to you all without too much unnecessary information and make it as understandable as possible. So let's dive right in. Before we discuss the case, I'm going to give you guys some background information because I feel like this background information is relevant and important to the case. I'm hoping that this background information will help you all understand this confusing case a little more. So first, let's talk about Casey Anthony. Casey was born on March 19th of 1986. Casey was born in Warren, Ohio, which is a fairly small town, but she grew up in Orlando, Florida. Growing up, Casey was very popular and had many friends. She was someone people wanted to be around. However, Casey was a party girl. Some may say she was a wild child, but Casey was the kind of girl who loved to have fun and live in the moment. I really want you guys to keep this in mind because we are going to see more of this party side of Casey later on in this case. Although Casey was really popular, her friends from high school claim that she had a pattern of lying. Again, this is something I want you guys to keep in mind as well because this is something that we are going to see later on in the case. Next, I want to briefly mention Casey's family because they will play a huge role in this case. So first is Casey's mom, Cindy Anthony. Cindy was a loving mom and a nurse. There's not a lot of other background information on Cindy that I think is necessary, but Cindy will play a massive role in this case and you will definitely hear her name again. Next is Casey's dad. Casey's dad is George Anthony. George was a former police officer. This is something I also want you guys to keep in mind because I am going to mention George's career as a police officer later on in the case. Last but not least is Casey's brother Lee. Lee was four years older than Casey. However, Lee does not play a huge role in this case, so you will not hear much else about him. Although Lee does not play a huge role in this case, Cindy and George do. You will hear a lot more from Cindy and George later on in this case. So, this is Casey's family until she turned 19 years old. When Casey was 19, she found out she was pregnant with soon-to-be Kaylee. Casey did not originally tell her family that she was pregnant, but her family had noticed that she was showing signs of being pregnant. So Cindy and George wanted to determine if their suspicions were true and asked Casey if she was pregnant. Casey lied to her parents and told them that she was not pregnant and even told them that she was still a virgin. When I first found this out, I was honestly slightly annoyed that Casey would lie about such a huge thing to her parents, and I wanted to attribute this lie to the fact that Casey was known for lying. However, I have never been in that situation before, and I am sure it is absolutely terrifying, and the thought of telling your parents is not a pleasant one. Anyways, later down the road in her pregnancy, Casey obviously knew that she would have to come clean at some point. Finally, Casey told her parents the truth, and they were very supportive and even told Casey that they wanted her and their soon-to-be grandchild, Kaylee, to live with them. Finally, on August 9th of 2005, little Kaylee Marie Anthony was welcomed into the world. The Anthony family finally got to meet the new addition to their family, and they were extremely excited. 
Kayla was an absolutely adorable little toddler. You guys should definitely look up a picture of Kaylee to see what I'm talking about. Not only was Kaylee adorable, but she also had a precious personality. According to her grandparents and others who were fortunate enough to spend time with Kaylee, she was a bright, energetic, and loving little toddler. The last thing I want to mention briefly before we continue on in this episode is that the father of Kaylee Anthony was and still is unknown. To be completely honest, when I was researching this case, I was not sure if I wanted to include this fact because it did not seem very relevant. However, when I thought about it, I realized that some people may ask questions about the father of Kaylee throughout the case, so I wanted to clear the air now and let you guys know before we dive into this case. Okay guys, the moment you have been waiting for has finally arrived. Now that we have covered all of the background information, we can finally dive right into the case of Kaylee Anthony. This case takes place mostly in Orlando, Florida. And many of you probably already know, but this case has to do with the disappearance of Kaylee Anthony. So first, I want to give you all a very brief timeline of what happened throughout this case because it takes place over the span of one whole month. With that being said, this timeline might be a bit confusing for you guys at first, but I promise I'm going to explain everything afterwards. The first important date in this case is June 15th of 2008. As most of you know, June 15th is Father's Day. On this day in 2008, Casey and Kaylee spent the day with George and Cindy in the Anthony home. This is the last day that Kaylee was seen alive by anyone other than her own mother, Casey. However, there is some confusion around this date. I have seen multiple reports throughout my research that the 15th was the last day that Cindy saw Kaylee, but I also found that the 7th was the last day that Cindy saw Kaylee. I'm not quite sure exactly which one of these dates is the correct one, and I'm so sorry if this confuses any of you guys. I personally believe that the 15th was the last day Kaylee was seen by Cindy, but again, I do not know for sure. Then, on the following day of June 16th of 2008, Casey got into a huge argument with her parents. This led to Casey grabbing Kaylee and their things and leaving the Anthony home. According to many sources, when Casey left the home, she went to stay with her then-boyfriend, Tony Lazaro, at his apartment. Later on in this case, Tony testified that when Casey came to his apartment that day, she came without Kaylee. In fact, she never mentioned anything about Kaylee. Then, on June 20th of 2008, Casey is seen partying at Fusion Nightclub in Orlando, Florida. This is obviously not that surprising, seeing as Casey was quite a party girl when she was in high school. Anyways, there are pictures taken of Casey partying at this nightclub, and she seemed to be having a great time with her buddies. Then, over the next month, Casey is seen on various different security cameras shopping without Kaylee. I quickly just want to mention that it was not just a few times that she was seen shopping without Kaylee, but there were actually many, many times throughout that month that Casey was seen shopping without her three-year-old child. Obviously, the big question I think everyone has is where is Kaylee when Casey is doing all of this shopping? 
A couple of other things I want to briefly mention before we continue with the timeline is that Casey had led her parents, Cindy and George, to believe that she was working throughout this entire time that she and Kaylee had been away from them. She also told them on multiple occasions that because she was working so much, Kaylee was with a nanny, and that is why they couldn't talk to her. However, if Kaylee wasn't with the nanny, there was always another excuse from Casey as to why Cindy and George could not talk to their three-year-old grandchild. Now that we have gone over that, we can get back to the timeline. The next important date in this case is seven days after the day Casey is seen partying. June 27th of 2008. On June 27th, Casey completely abandoned her parents' car in an Amscot parking lot, which is a check cashing place. When she abandoned the car, she left behind her purse and a child's car seat. According to her then-boyfriend, Tony Lazaro, he picked her up and she told him she ran out of gas, so she was just going to leave it there. However, this car actually belonged to Cindy and George. This leads us to three days later on June 30th, 2008. On this day, M. Scott finally got the Anthony's car towed since it had been sitting there for three days. The car was impounded and taken to a huge parking lot full of other impounded cars. Finally, two weeks later on July 15th, 2008, a letter was sent to the home of George and Cindy. This letter notified the Anthony's that their car had been impounded. That day, George and Cindy go to retrieve the car. George and Cindy were extremely upset with Casey, and to be honest, I would be furious too if I were in George and Cindy's shoes. Anyways, when George and Cindy arrive at the lot to retrieve their car, the first thing they noticed was a horrible odor coming from the trunk. Both Cindy and George thought that this odor smelled like a decomposing body had been left in the trunk. Keep in mind that George is a former police officer, so he has probably smelled a decomposing body at least once in his career. It turns out that there were only bags of garbage found in the trunk. However, a decomposing body is a very distinct smell, so I find it hard to believe that the terrible odor was just due to the old garbage found. Anyways, Cindy, who is very irritated, tracked down Casey that day. When she located Casey, it had been 31 days since George and Cindy had seen Casey or their little granddaughter Kaylee. So Cindy picks up Casey and this is when the first 911 call is made. The first 911 call on July 15, 2008 was made at 8.09 by Cindy Anthony. In this call, Cindy was pretty calm and she told the operator that she had a 22-year-old with her that needed to be arrested and charged. Cindy tells the operator that her daughter, Casey, had stolen her car and some money and she wanted to charge her. The operator told Cindy to head home and call again when she gets back. Although there is not a lot of important information in this call, there is one thing that really sticks out to me. During this call, you can hear Cindy tell Casey that she will get a court order for Kaylee. Then you hear Casey mumbling, and then Cindy says, I'm not giving you another day, I have given you a month. I think that this is the most important part of this call because Casey is clearly not telling her parents where Kaylee was, and this leads me to one question. If Casey is with Cindy at that moment, where in the world is Kaylee? And if she is safe, 
Why on earth won't Casey just tell her parents where she is? Anyways, those are just my thoughts on the first 911 call. But let's go ahead and dive into the next 911 call made by Cindy on that same night at 8.44 p.m. In this call, Cindy seems to still be calm, but judging from her tone, she seems to be quite irritated as well, which makes perfect sense. Cindy tells the operator about the last call she made and how she has someone at her home who needs to be arrested. She also says, and I quote, I have a three-year-old that has been missing for a month. And she also says that the mother of the child, Casey, will not tell her or George where Kaylee is. Judging from Cindy's tone, she's worried, but I feel like maybe she just thought Casey was being stubborn and not telling her where Kaylee was. Anyways, the operator yet again says to wait and that a deputy will be there as soon as possible. Then, not even an hour later, at 9.41 p.m., Cindy calls 911 yet again. But this time, Cindy's tone was completely different from the first two calls. This time, Cindy was absolutely distraught. Cindy frantically tells the operator that she hasn't seen her granddaughter, Kaylee, for a month, and that the mother of her granddaughter, Casey, says Kaylee got kidnapped one month ago by the nanny, who is supposedly named Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez. When the operator asks to speak to Casey, the first thing I noticed was that Casey was very calm and not at all frantic or upset like Cindy was. So then, the operator asked Casey why she did not report Kaylee missing until just now, one month later. Casey claimed in this call that she knew it was stupid, but she was trying to find Kaylee on her own. Then an officer arrived at the Anthony home shortly after. This last 911 call is probably one of the most important and bizarre parts of this case. Many people, including myself, find it absolutely crazy that Casey would not report her child missing for an entire month. I don't know about you, but I am pretty sure I would report my child missing as soon as possible. However, I am not in Casey's shoes, so I can't know what she was thinking, but it is definitely something that gets your brain working. Before we move on from the three 911 calls, I want to quickly discuss a couple of things first. If you guys remember, the timeline says that Casey was seen partying at Fusion Nightclub in Orlando, Florida, and according to Casey, Kaylee was missing at that time. So my question is, why is Casey out partying with her friends when her child is missing? And to go even further, she said that she was trying to find Kaylee on her own, but to me, when someone is partying and shopping, they don't seem to be too concerned with anything else. I don't know. I guess I just find it extremely odd that she wasn't looking for her child nonstop, but that she was actually partying and shopping while her daughter was missing. These are the kinds of things that really made people angry and upset because many have said that Casey's behavior does not seem like the way a mom would be acting if her child got kidnapped. Let's get back to the case. On the very night that the last 911 call was made, Casey made a report with the police. This report was extremely long, so I'm just going to mention the major pieces. So, according to Casey, she says that she dropped Kaylee off early one morning at the nanny's apartment. This nanny was supposedly named Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez, but Kaylee and Casey called her Zanny. 
Casey also said that Zanny had been Kaylee's babysitter for almost two years. Casey then goes on to say that that morning when she dropped Kaylee off, she called Zanny the nanny and the call went through and everything was fine. However, in her statement, Casey claims that she decided to call Zanny that afternoon and when she called the phone, she said the number was no longer in service. Casey then says that she went to the apartment and could not find Kaylee or Zanny, and that she proceeded to wait for a couple of hours. Casey also claims that she went to familiar places to try to find Kaylee, but had no luck. However, this is when I think Casey's story gets more and more fishy. Casey claims that she went to popular places like parks, bars, and restaurants. Now, it may just be me, but I don't think that someone who has just intentionally kidnapped a child is going to go, with or without the child, to a popular bar or restaurant. It is already odd enough to not report your child missing for 31 days, but on top of that, I find it extremely odd that those are the places Casey would look for her missing child. To me, these few things are very big red flags. So now let's move on from Casey's report and let's dive into this Zanny person that Casey claims took Kaylee. Casey says that this nanny's name is Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez. Obviously, Zenaida ends up being the first suspect police have and look into. Police found Zanny and questioned and investigated her. Zenaida immediately says that she's not guilty and that she doesn't even know the Anthony family. Police continue to investigate and ultimately and pretty quickly, clears Zenaida as a suspect. The police also discovered that the phone number Casey claimed belonged to Zanny never even existed. Here we are again, guys, with another red flag. This only makes Casey look worse and led many people to ask the question, why is Casey lying? So now we know that Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez had nothing to do with Kaylee's disappearance. This takes us all the way back to square one with the same question. Where is Kaylee? We have seen so far Casey lie many times, which makes her look guilty or suspicious. However, I want to mention that this does not make Casey responsible for anything. At this point, we still do not know what on earth happened to Kaylee. So next, I want to discuss the events that unfolded the day after the 911 calls were made by Cindy. On July 16th of 2008, two detectives drove to the Anthony home and talked to Casey for a little bit. As they were talking, the detectives asked if she would be willing to come with them to her office at Universal, where she claimed she worked at the time. The detectives told her that they wanted to go to her workplace to see if there was anything in or near her office that could, in any way, help them find Kaylee. Casey told them that that was fine, and one detective mentioned that she seemed more than okay and comfortable with it. Just a short time later, they arrive at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. When they get to the gate entrance for employees, the security guard asked Casey for her name. When she tells the security guard her name, he looked up from the computer and stated that they did not have anyone in the employee database by that name. So then, the guard simply asked her who her supervisor was, and she gave him a name. Yet again, he looks up from the computer and tells Casey and the two detectives that there is no employee in the database under that name. 
Finally, the security director allowed the two detectives and Casey to enter in, regardless of the fact that they could not find any piece of evidence to prove if she was even an employee. I assume this is probably because there were two detectives with Casey, so I'm sure the security director just allowed them to come in simply because of the two police officers. Then, after the security director lets them in, he guides them to the office building and lets them in there. Casey then begins to walk with the two detectives, making them believe that they were going to her office. While they are walking down endless hallways, Casey is chatting very casually with the detectives. Finally, the three of them reach the end of a hallway, and Casey tells the detectives something that gets Casey into a lot of trouble. Casey turns around, facing the two detectives, and straight up tells them, I don't actually work here. Casey had misled and lied to the police, which can get someone arrested, and that is exactly what happened to Casey after she told them that. After Casey is arrested that very day on July 16th, the police interview Casey tirelessly. While the police interview her, they continuously ask her why she lied. The detective who interviewed Casey that day asked her specifically if she intentionally misled them. When he asked her this, Casey very calmly says that she purposefully misled them. This leads me to two major questions. Why in the world would she purposefully mislead the police who are trying to help her find her missing daughter? In my opinion, if she were really concerned about finding her missing daughter, she would help the police in any way as quick as possible. The other question I have is, where was she every day that she left that month as she claimed she was going to work? We now know she didn't actually have a job, so where was she? On the same day, July 16th, Casey was charged with suspicion of child neglect, obstructing the investigation, and lying to the police. I want to remind you guys that this was literally the day after the 911 calls were made. I don't know why, but I just find this absolutely crazy. It just goes to show the amount of work and effort the police were putting in to finding this sweet little child. Anyways, we will talk more about these charges later on in the case, so do not worry about them for right now. Right now, I just want to take a little break and briefly discuss the mounds of evidence found by the police that could potentially prove that Casey played a role in Kaylee's disappearance, or at this point in the case, potential death. The first thing I want to discuss is the impounded car that belonged to George and Cindy and was abandoned by Casey. There were three key pieces of evidence found in the trunk of this car. The first one is the odor, which we briefly mentioned earlier. Then there was also a piece of Kaylee's hair found in the trunk. And finally, there were high levels of chloroform found. So let's discuss the odor situation first. When investigating the trunk of the car, two cadaver dogs hit on Casey's car, which means there had been human decomposition in the trunk of the car. However, there is room to cast reasonable doubt because the car was sitting in a parking lot full of other cars outside for two whole weeks. But the evidence is definitely there, and I do not think that these dogs would be wrong. These dogs are highly trained. They are the best of the best, so I find it hard to believe that maybe they got it wrong. Let's move on to the next piece of evidence, which was the piece of Kaylee's hair found. There really is not much to say about this, but I do think it is strange that a piece of Kaylee's hair ended up in the trunk of the car, 
but I don't think it is impossible either. Overall, I don't believe this piece of evidence is really that strong, but I definitely think it is worth mentioning. Finally, the last key piece of evidence I want to discuss with you guys are the traces of chloroform that were found in the trunk of Casey's car. So obviously, as I have mentioned before, there were some traces of chloroform found in the trunk of Casey's car, but the more compelling evidence is that there were searches on the Anthony home computer about chloroform. These searches said things like how to make chloroform and just simply chloroform. Many people believe that Casey was the one who made these searches and that she used chloroform to kill Kaylee. It is possible that Casey was just trying to get Kaylee to pass out for a while so that she could go out and party. Although this is definitely a possibility, I watched a documentary on this case and they mentioned that making chloroform, let alone chloroform that actually works, is extremely hard. Some people believe that Casey was not capable of making chloroform herself, especially chloroform that works. I can see how this might cast some doubt on whether or not Casey used chloroform or even killed her daughter. However, in my personal opinion, I still find it extremely odd that there just so happens to be traces of chloroform in the trunk of Casey's car, where a piece of Kaylee's hair was and where cadaver dogs hit. So now we have covered some of the most compelling pieces of evidence in this case. So let's move on and discuss what occurred after the month of July 2008 when Kaylee was finally reported missing. So on October 14th of 2009, Casey was charged and indicted by a grand jury on charges of first-degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter of a child, and four counts of providing false information to the police. Casey was arrested and held without bond. Some of you might be thinking that this is a pretty big jump in the case, but I want you to keep in mind that these charges were made several months following the first missing persons report for Kaylee. Over these few months, detectives had been investigating, and although they did not have a body, they still felt like they had plenty of evidence to charge Casey with murder. But on December 11th of 2008, the police would finally find the remains of Kaylee Marie Anthony. Kaylee's remains were found by a man who was walking along the side of the road near the Anthony home. The remains were found in a black trash bag along with one of Kaylee's blankets. There were also pieces of duct tape found in the bag as well and many believed that Kaylee had duct tape on her mouth when she passed away. The Anthony family mourned even more due to this discovery, but they were far from closure. Their daughter, Casey Anthony, was still on trial for the murder of Kaylee, along with several other charges. The trial was six weeks long and lasted from May of 2011 to July of 2011, three years after Kaylee had been killed. Finally, on July 5, 2011, Casey was acquitted of all charges except for misdemeanor counts of providing false information to law enforcement. For those of you who do not remember, these charges were made when Casey lied about her job at Universal, along with several other things. So when Casey was sentenced, she only had a small amount of time to serve in prison, seeing as she had spent the last three years in prison waiting for her trial. On July 17th of 2011, Casey was released from jail and continues to live a life 
as a free woman. Ultimately, no one has ever been held accountable for sweet little Kaylee's life. All we are left with is endless questions and suspicions. Who killed Kaylee? Was it Casey or someone else? Was it an accident or intentional? We can't know for sure, but we can look at the evidence and try to come up with a logical explanation. I feel as though I have clearly shown throughout this episode what I think happened, but what do you think happened? Unfortunately, I was not able to cover every detail in this case because there was so much information to try to fit it into one episode, but I would highly recommend that you watch the three-part documentary on this case by Oxygen TV. This documentary is great if you want to look at each thing more specifically. It also looks at this case from an unbiased point of view, which is very hard for me to do, so I would highly recommend this documentary. That is all I have for you guys today. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will see you next time. Bye, guys.